Hi everyone, my name is Josepha and welcome back to Gain the Straight World. So as I mentioned in last week's episode, today I'm looking at suicide rates and the overall impact that the bullying and exclusion can cause and how often that results in a tragic outcome. And basically, while I was researching this and looking at all the different reasons that were cited, either through family members' assumptions or notes left behind from those that we've lost, um, basically, one of the highest things that came up time and time again was that these are members of the LGBT community. And a high percentage of teen suicides here in Ireland are a result of LGBT bullying in schools, outside of school, and kids just not having the resources, the language, or the self-confidence that they need, or sometimes even the support network that they need in order to be able to stand up for themselves and, and, and be able to fight back. And when that happens, it takes a huge mental toll, which can often result in self-harm it can result in a, in depression it can result in a teenager just shutting themselves off from the world in order to protect themselves and it can also just result in people trying to pass for straight or pass for their gender assigned at birth and no matter which one of these you fall into whether it's as severe as a suicide attempt or if it's as simple sounding as passing for your assigned gender or your or passing for straight none of these are easy for the individuals and I've been looking into all the different ways that these issues arise and all the different causes of them and the big ones that I found are well they're they're huge topics really is our sexual our sexuality our sexual identity our gender identity our politics and our social class and these aren't necessarily things that you associate with teenagers worrying about but they do and they feel like because they're teenagers that they can't that they don't have a voice and that they can't have a voice and that's where we we run into all these problems with self-harm with suicide attempts and then unfortunately with completed suicides There are a few initiatives and a few programs out there to try and help teenagers and help people going through this, but often they're not made easily accessible. They're not something that a teenager could access and keep a secret from their parents, or it's something that they're not comfortable with accessing for whatever reasons that they have, where they don't want to pick up that phone and ring or use an online support. So we really need to have some form of of resources out there where kids can listen or watch just even snippets and kind of realize that they're not alone in this and that someday it will get better. Because if your depression is solely based on the fact that you feel like you're alone based on your gender identity or your sexual identity, then there's absolutely no reason that we can't help them come through the other side of that depression. If it's a chemical imbalance, we have medication. If it's reactive depression due to another illness, we can treat that. 
there's so many different forms of treatment for depression. So why can't we make it easier for those who live in secret to battle theirs and overcome it? First of all, then I'm going to look at labels and basically categorize them under sexual orientation, gender, politics and social class. So first of all, sexual orientation. And despite what many people have believed throughout the decades, it is not just heterosexual and homosexual. The world is not just divided into straight and gays. So basically within the gay community then, we've got lesbians, bisexuals, gay, pansexual, we've got asexual, which then breaks down to aromantic, demisexual, grey A, queer, platonic, and all of these labels mean something to the person and they feel the need to identify as that in order to portray who they are to the to the rest of the world. And that's completely okay. I am absolutely here for people who want to live their truth and be authentic and everything like that. But it's also okay to not be okay with who you are. It's also okay to struggle and to need to find yourself and find your identity and find who you are and where you fit on the spectrum. Do you fit on the spectrum? Everyone does. So don't worry about that. It might take a little bit of time, but you will find where you lie and what's comfortable for you. I mean, for me, the word bisexual doesn't really appeal to me. I'm more pansexual, but rather than having to explain to everyone that I'm kind of gender blind in that sense is just such a tiring experience that I say bisexual because for me that's easier but then if I find someone who says I'm bi well actually I'm pan then I can have a great conversation with that person but I'm not under any pressure to say that I'm not under any pressure to be something I'm not but I just find it easier so it's very easy to for people who are out and comfortable to say this is me, this is who I am. But we also have to realise that there's a lot of people out there who are hiding for their own safety. So they might have abusive people in their life who they know will turn on them if they find out and they conform for their safety. We also have people in the world who haven't figured out who they are yet. So you might have no sexual attraction to people, but fall in love quite easily. You might want, you might struggle with that part. You absolutely embrace your feelings you can have this strong relationship but then you feel that because society is telling us that sex is the best thing ever that you need to be sexually attracted but you don't you could be asexual you could be aromantic which is where you fall in love with people but you don't want that intimacy you could be demisexual where you only only want to be sexually intimate with someone after you form that really close bond with them where you've absolutely without a shadow of a doubt become emotionally involved with this person and you know that they're who you want to be with and you want to trust them to go that step and that's completely okay too and then you could just be someone who likes one gender and that's it there is no other sort of terms for it but you might be okay with that term you might like the word lesbian you mightn't like being called gay if you are a female you mightn't like being called a gay if you're a man you might feel that it somehow detracts from your masculinity. A lot of people do feel that. And when people ask them anything about themselves, they don't give up that information freely and they have to trust you. For me personally, I'm just, I am who I am and screw everyone else. Not everyone has the freedom or the security to be like that. 
And that's a big part of why the suicide rates for the LGBT community are so high because they don't have the security that we need. It's not even that we crave it, which we do, but we also need that. We need to know that we can be yourself and be safe in our environment and be safe with the people that are around us because it's not easy to make new friends and if your own friends who've known you for years turn against you because you're not a straight person or even if you're not just completely gay or completely lesbian you fall somewhere on the spectrum that's neither here nor there or up nor down then it's very difficult to overcome that and make new friends and that can be what drives a lot of people to the edge and for me I think it's really time that we started opening our minds broadening our thinking and pulling these people back from the edge and I mean even with me I I hate the word bisexual I hate it I hate the word pansexual and I hate the word asexual because to me it doesn't make sense we don't call lesbians and gay people homosexuals we don't we don't say oh what do you identify as and they say homosexual they're lesbian or they're gay and I mean, why can't we have a word? Why can't we have a word that doesn't feel like you have to say a really intimate sounding word every time that you're asked these questions? Why can't we just have a simple word? The word bisexual makes me sick to my stomach because for a start, there's more than two genders. People often identify as either or neither. And that's completely okay. We have non-binary people. We have transgender people. We have people who are trying to figure out where they fall within it and all of that is completely fine because at the end of the day sex versus gender is a completely different debate than me saying I'm bisexual there's only two genders there's not only two so and then they're like oh well that's what the word pansexual is for but it's still quite um, a deep-rooted word because we don't expect straight people to say that they're heterosexual why do we have to put this on bi people and pan people what it just it it really really irks me all we want is to be accepted and to be treated as equals and I feel like sometimes these labels prevent that sometimes I feel like that they actually give people something to bash us over the head with metaphorically speaking of course but I I do I, I think that sometimes the the idea of labels is taken too far and that it gives people ammunition against us. It gives them, well, you're this and you're not this and I'm this and it's better than you. And it just creates this divide among people. And it, it does. It gives the bullies ammunition, whether they're adults or children or somewhere in between or even the older generation. It gives them this ammunition and we have to stop it. We have to stop with not with the labels but we have to stop using these labels as a weapon against people and we need to accept that this is who they are and not make them defend it every second of the day not make them explain it to every single person that they come into contact with and absolutely just leave them live their life whatever way they choose can you tell that this is a topic that really 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 annoys me and then not only do we use um orientation labels to judge people we absolutely seize on their gender identity and we use that to attack. And I'm not saying that 
I do it or that you, the listeners, do it. But I feel like at, at some point, everyone has had that narcissistic, I'm better than you because of this feeling at some stage in their lives, whether you're a pouty kid full of teen angst trying to find your way in the world, or if you're just an opinionated, judgy adult. No matter where you lie in that, I feel like everyone's had this moment. And that's okay. Like, I mean, none of us are perfect. We're not going to have perfect thoughts every day of our lives and we're not expected to what we are expected to do is learn from that recognize that that was a mistake and learn from it so with gender then we obviously have male female and I suppose they can be considered the two main categories that people would identify as and that's fair enough but then when we stray away from that a lot of people it seems to offend their senses that someone may not identify as gender assigned at birth or they may not identify as any gender so if you are a man born as a man identifying as a man or a woman born a woman identifying as a woman that makes you cisgender that's that is acknowledging that you have a gender identity and your gender identity is that which you were assigned at birth and that's perfect and then we move on to transgender and transgender is where a person suffers from what's called gender dysphoria. So gender dysphoria is where a person who was born either as a male or female has issues with who they are. They're not comfortable in their gender. They don't quite fit right in their own skin and as someone who doesn't suffer from it I can't speak to what that experience must be like but I can only imagine how traumatizing it is for someone to grow up in a body that does not feel like it belongs to them and they need to change so with transgender people usually they go through this they they go through different stages of transitioning and they transition from their gender assigned at birth to what they genuinely genuinely are and who they actually identify as and who they feel more comfortable as and that usually involves a lot of therapy a lot of counseling and it's not just a quick and easy step it's not like someone wakes up one morning and says I'm bored with my life I'm going to become the opposite gender it's not just someone doing it to jump on the bandwagon it's not someone doing it for the crack it is a genuine genuine problem deep in their soul that they need to change from the gender they've been assigned in their body to the opposite gender or to whatever that they more comfortably identify as so it does take quite a long time and a lot of money and a lot of doctor's visits and hospital visits and surgeries to go through that and the surgery is is one part but the rest of it is counsellors and doctors making sure that this is what you want and this is who you are and ensuring that it's not a mistake and I mean if you look at the rates of people who transition from one to the other they rarely rarely I'd say never I would feel very comfortable saying never ever do it and regret it because when they wake up after their surgery and they realize that this is the body that should that they should have been in they feel so at home in, them, in themselves now that they that we can never imagine the relief that a person must feel when they wake up and they can finally be who they are and be themselves and dress and act and live life the way they want and then there's non-binary and a non-binary person 
basically doesn't feel comfortable identifying as any gender and they could be fluid and move through the spectrum of gender and now I don't have any personal experience with it myself but I have researched a lot of it and there's some people who will just say I don't identify as a gender use they them pronouns that's it I am neither male nor female I don't feel comfortable they may identify as androgen which is basically a form of androgynous where they just nothing really fits them so they just live their life the way they want to live and with both transgender and non-binary if their names are gender specific to a gender that they don't identify as so with trans if it's the, their gender assigned at birth if it's an nb then it is it could either be a masculine or very fe- uh, feminine name so in those cases they may change their name and many people do a legal change so that their official legal name is now one that represents who they are the biggest crime that we as a community as a population as people on this earth could do is to do something called dead name them and this is where we use their name given at birth rather than their new taken name and we use that or we use the wrong pronouns and we misgender them and that's so degrading and so horrendously cruel to these people who have fought very hard to accept themselves and to be who they are now that if we shame them by using their dead name or we shame them by using the wrong pronouns then that makes us as bad as homophobic transphobic people because it is a very transphobic thing to do now my name is Josepha many people see it as Joseph and assume I'm a man and that drives me mad and I mean I'm a cisgender female I have no reason to get so annoyed so if I was a transgender person and I had fought my whole life to get to where I am and then someone came along and purposely misgendered and dead named me I would be so angry I would just be so angry and so upset because how dare someone who doesn't know my past who wouldn't have known me before now come along and misgender and dead name me for no reason other than they are a bigot and they're transphobic and they feel that they have this god-given right to call me and refer to me as whatever they want and no one has that right I mean I am a cisgender female. I have um, a name that people often assume is a man's name. Josepha isn't exactly a very common name. And people just make up their own versions of it. And that angers me. So if I was a person who had fought hard to be who I am today, gender-wise, I would absolutely lose my mind. So I think it's something that we need to all be aware of and really, really work hard. If you've been doing it to someone, all I can say is work hard to stop doing it to them because it is the most horrible and cruelest thing that you can do to them. And if you can't see that, then maybe you shouldn't be in that person's life to begin with. Which kind of leads me on to a lot of research that I've been doing around this um, has brought me back to social identity theory. And basically social identity theory is the premise that we change who we are based on the people we're around and that we have different behaviours and mannerisms in different groups and different settings. And when I was reading this, I was just like, oh, you know, only people who are comfortable with that do that. But then I stopped to think, and just myself, I was really thinking of how I act when I'm in work. 
and I work on phones, I deal with customers every day and I would never speak to them the way I'd speak to someone sitting in my sitting room having a cup of tea with. So when I kind of broke it down into little bits like that, that I could really kind of wrap my head around, I was really surprised to see how accurate this is and how we all do it and we all act differently around different people. Around strangers, we might be quieter. Some people might be a little bit more boisterous when they're nervous than when they're calm. There's so many different ways that we can do this. And there's such a huge emphasis on fitting in in a group of people, especially if they're new people. The people within the trans community, within the LGBT community, we can often hide who we are and stop someone from getting too close if we don't know what their personal views are. And if we don't know what someone's personal views are, that puts a little bit of fear into us because we don't know what reaction we're going to get. Are we going to be attacked? Are we going to be rejected? And rejection is so huge. And I mean, there's a lot of kind of assimilation and conformity that goes on then. So conforming for safety, conforming for our own mental health, not just our physical safety. So obviously we're going to pretend to be something that we're not if that can save us from being physically attacked. But even to just feel like we're fitting in and feel like we are being accepted by the people around us. A lot of us conform, not just within the community. Street people do too. If you're hiding your political beliefs, if you're hiding your, if you're hiding the fact that you're wealthier than all the people around you, or that you're poorer than all the people around you, then all of these things will affect the way we speak to those people. And I mean, we're going to be far more relaxed with our friends that we've known for years than friends that we've known only recently, new people that have come into our lives. So when you take this on a human level, it's difficult. And social identity theory is a huge aspect of our day-to-day lives. But when you bring this into the gay community, the LGBT community, it takes on a whole life of its own because there's so many different reasons that we conform. Not just not just to fit in, but to hide who we are in times where we don't we don't know who we're talking to. And I mean, I suppose you could look at it a few different ways. And someone recently just said to me that you'll only feel that fear if you have a low self-worth and you've no confidence and you've got a low self-esteem. And I mean self-worth is a huge thing. So Our confidence levels and our levels of self-esteem are all based on what our self-worth is. It's do you actually feel like you're worth something to the people around you, to society, to the people you work with? Do you feel like you contribute to anything within that kind of circle? And from there, if you've got a certain level of self-worth, then you will have some level of confidence. You will have some level of self-esteem. But if you're constantly around people who are homophobic and transphobic, that really takes away from our self-worth and it makes us feel small. And when we feel small, we feel like we have to hide. And when we hide, we're not getting to know the people around us. And then that builds and that builds and that builds. And it's just this never-ending cycle. So what we really kind of need to look at is what happens to someone who refuses to conform? Is that the only time that bullying happens? Do people who conform still get bullied? I mean, of course they do. People who conform can't be themselves. They're going to be picked on for other stupid reasons if that person's a bully. 
if that person's not a bully, then they wouldn't be picked on if they weren't if they weren't conforming and they were being themselves. But for someone who works hard to be themselves and for someone who tries to have a high level of self-worth and have confidence in who they are, what happens then is they attract trouble. And not because they want it, but because trouble has a way of finding people who seem to have this level of confidence. It happens with everyone, not just people within the community. If a straight person, if you look at a straight teenager, you look at a straight teenage boy, if he's got confidence, trouble will find him in a myriad of ways. He'll either get into trouble because he'll try to be the cool kid in his gang. It'll turn into arrogance. If he's got confidence in who he is and he's not one of the cool kids, it'll turn the cool kids against them. He will be the target for bullies because they don't like what they perceive to be threats. It's the same with girls. You'll get the mean girl bitchy attitude from the confident, arrogant ones. And then the ones who aren't confident and arrogant are the threat to the arrogant ones. And it's just this never ending vicious cycle. So if you bring that into the gay community, we challenge people's thinking just by being ourselves. There are so many people out there who feel like gay people don't exist or shouldn't exist. And we challenge that just by existing. So if we don't conform and we stand our ground and we say, this is me and this is who I am, that does attract trouble. And I mean, I don't try and bring trouble upon me, but it it finds me because I do stand my ground and I'm like, no, this is me. This is who I am. And I'm comfortable in that and I'm confident in who I am. And it's not gone to arrogance levels, but I do feel like it still brings on that certain level of, I don't want to say mistrust, but that certain level of kind of trouble anyway that comes with someone standing their ground and challenging what people think. Because if someone says something that I don't necessarily agree with or I have a different opinion on completely, I'll challenge that. And usually I'll be looking for a bit of a debate in a way of like, okay, convince me I'm wrong and we'll see where this goes. And I'll be looking for that debate. I'll be looking for that back and forth discussion on something. And I normally don't get it. I normally get the who the hell do you think you are reaction. And that's not healthy either. So when you bring that I challenge people normally with who I am, And then I challenge people's way of thinking. I challenge their their just innate beliefs of the world. I'm really just a magnet for trouble. And that's not something that I want to be. I want to be able to ask these questions. And I want other people to be able to ask these questions. And I want trans people. I want gay people. I want lesbians, bi, pan. I want everyone to just be able to say, I am me and I'm not challenging you. I'm not challenging your way of thinking, your belief system. I am just here and I am just me. Because when you look at the levels of suicide rates and attempted suicides within the LGBT community, it is absolutely terrifying. More than 25% of the gay community in Ireland have at some point in their life attempted suicide. More than 7% have been successful just in the last two years alone and that's not something for us to cheer that is such a horrible figure that seven percent of the lgbt community felt that they had absolutely nowhere to go to the point that they felt their only option was to take their own lives because they weren't being accepted by those who felt that they were challenging them 
These people just wanted to live their lives. They just wanted to get on with it and live their life. And they were prevented from doing so. Whether it was someone actively bullying them or whether it was just the society, a conservative area that they lived in, they they were held back. They were constrained by the society that they live in. And that is so heartbreaking that I, that is something that I would like to change. I would like to be sat here in 10 years time and saying that the numbers are nowhere near what they were in 2020. That 25% of people haven't. That 90% of people have never even had a suicidal thought and that 10% have had suicidal thoughts and no suicide attempts. Imagine how amazing that would be if we could reduce that 25% down by anything, let alone to zero. Because the suicide rates in this country are so high, but the good news is that they are slowly coming down. So in the 90s and early 90s, the majority of suicides were from the LGBT community. So at any given point, up to 80% of completed suicides in any given year were from the LGBT community, showing that as much as the world might have been starting to change, it was nowhere near that in Ireland. In 97, we brought in divorce. Um, 93 was, um, homosexuality was only decriminalized so as we come up through the years we can see Ireland becomes a little bit more progressive but the suicide rates don't start to reflect that until 2015 and that's heartbreaking but in the early noughties then and mid noughties there was a surge there was such a high surge in the amount of men whether they were LGBT or heterosexuals they the, the number of male suicides soared and the Central Statistics Office and the World Health Organization have done research into this and they feel that it was due to the recession and the amount of people that were left without jobs, that their only way out of all of the debt and problems that they were in was to take their own life. And that's awful. But at any given time, the rate of male to female suicides is usually about four to one. So for every one woman that commit suicide for men and that's huge and that's so overlooked and it's definitely why we need to change this narrative but generally about 60 to 70 percent of all of these are still within the community so even though they're putting it down to recession and the aftermath of the recession there's still a strong a strong strong LGBT streak happening in in the suicide rates and that's horrendous we shouldn't still be there in this day and age in 2011 then the numbers stop climbing and from 2012 onwards they start to decrease it's slow but it is happening but we've had the lowest suicide rates in the last three years than we've had in the last 20 and that is such a huge position to be in and that's why I really think that in the next 10 years there could be such a massive difference and it's interesting to note as well that in 2014 Ireland legalized um, same-sex marriage by popular vote the first country in history to do so I'll probably mention that more than once throughout this and from then on the numbers took a big big jump down so before that they were just kind of 
jumping down by half a percent, one percent, and then they take a big dive by ten percent, and then so they're they're continually decreasing, and the number of males to females ratio is still the same. It's still one to four, but the number the numbers are coming down and that's such a huge position to be in whether they're all lgbt members or not that doesn't matter these there is hope for people and i think that's a huge thing for us to kind of focus on is that we really need to stop and help people through these times regardless of their gender regardless of their orientation and if we can drill that into the minds of those who discriminate against these things we are doing so much for the world i mean i was watching itv's morning show this morning last week and there is actually a transgender woman on and she was talking about the new laws that have been brought in in england and the jk rowling debate and basically i was i was actually disgusted and appalled to hear her side she accused people of jumping on the bandwagon of being transgender and that people should actually stop coming out as being transgender until they can get a medical diagnosis of a genuine mental health disorder. And she basically reduced this entire movement down to something that on the face of it sounds like it could be treated with antidepressants and a few antipsychotic tablets. And that's such a toxic, toxic um, idea to put out there. It's so debilitating to people who are trying to go through the transition. And then, now I was just watching it as far as I was concerned, there was a woman on the show saying this and I was like, what kind of person, what kind of human being could say this about someone? And then to hear that this woman had fought for 20 years to have her gender affirmation surgery, I was absolutely disgusted by her. It was so narrow-minded. And I mean, and I just couldn't believe that this was her post-transformation way of thinking. Before she'd had her her assignment surgery, would would she have said that? Would she have said that while she was still battling with doctors to approve her, while she was still battling with her therapists and her counsellors, and while she was still fighting with the society around her to accept her, while she still physically could pass as a man, why would she now come out and say people are jumping on the bandwagon and shouldn't be allowed to have their surgery until they pass extra tests? And when she was asked about her own transformation, her answer was, it was very difficult. I wouldn't say any more. So, I mean, if she was unwilling to talk about such a massively traumatic time in her life, why is she on spouting this and making life so difficult for people? Because she's accusing transgender people of the new generation. This is a woman in her 40s, maybe 50s. I didn't catch her age, but she looked to be about late 40s, early 50s. And she's there saying that the new generation of trans is making life difficult. But it's actually her. It's her and her toxic narrative that is creating this horrible environment for trans people to try and live in. And that's a lot of that is what leads to these really high suicide rates, these high depression rates, the high self-harm rates. And it's just it, it's suffocating to people. It's suffocating for them to see someone who's been through what they're going through and for them to now be saying, you're jumping on the bandwagon. And I think a big thing here is complicity. She was being complicit with the media who is there trying to say that trans people don't deserve rights, that trans people don't deserve to have their 
gender reassignment surgery that they don't deserve to have all of this medical help provided to them especially in England where it's available through their NHS and I mean why shouldn't they be allowed if someone who doesn't have this this particular thing and is going through something else with their mental health they're allowed to it but she was there calling this a mental health disorder that should be diagnosed by a psychiatric doctor is now saying that this is a mental health issue that people should receive help for but then is giving out that they're trying to get help provides them on the NHS. The NHS is there to provide free medical care to anyone who is eligible and anyone who needs it. That is what it's for. It's their public health care system and it works for the most part. And when it works, it's amazing. People get the help they need. It's there for people with depression. It's there for people with anxiety. It's there for people with bipolar disorder, schizophrenia. It's there for so many issues. Why can't someone access the counselling that they need, the therapy that they need, the psychiatric help apparently that they may need? Why can't they get all of this through the NHS? She feels like they shouldn't and when she was asked did she go public or private she said she went public. So she feels that now her battle is over she can negate that battle for the new generation of people. And it's not just that it's a younger generation. It's the people who are now able to come out and say this is me and this is who I am. These people could be in their 60s, their 70s. They could be teenagers. They could be children. We, we can't say that the new generation is just the next generation coming up through the ranks. It can be anyone that now has the ability to be themselves. And that's such a huge thing. And she was on morning talk show basically negating the entire concept of transgender despite being a transgender woman who had gone through the same procedures that people are going through now. And while I was looking up to basically see what was going on with this woman and what she'd basically gone through, I was trying to see if her story was available because I was really curious. Um, I actually found uh, a few medical uh, journals about gender identity and gender dysphoria. And it's really interesting to see that for the last maybe 40 years, Doctors have actually been studying the concept of gender versus sex. So sex is the gender that you're assigned at birth. It is your it is your physical attributes. It is your genitalia. And your gender is your internal biology that tells you who you are. And with trans people, with non-binary people, their internal biology does not match with their anatomy. And doctors are trying to find the genetic markers so that they can identify a trans person at earlier points in their life because if they can do this they feel like it will really help people come to terms with it that bit quicker it will now be a diagnosable condition at an early age where they can say okay this is this is this you are physically male you are actually female we can arrange this this and this to help you accept this throughout your life they can put measures in place to help you accept this to help you live with this before you're able to actually have that the surgery as an adult but unfortunately they aren't really coming up with anything so they're not coming up with the genetic markers they're convinced that they will eventually do this but 
a lot of things like certain types of cancer, certain illnesses, certain disorders, even mental disorders, physical disorders, physiological disorders, they don't have genetic markers. There's nothing where they can take a sample and say, yes, this is what you have. We're going to treat this. And that's why so many people have these conditions And I'm not talking about transgender people here. I'm talking about genuine people like fibromyalgia, no genetic markers. Um, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, no genetic markers that are easily identifiable. There's so different types of cancers. There's so many different things that just don't have these markers in your DNA that we don't know we have them until everything else has been eliminated. And that's kind of what happens with transgender, unfortunately. So... Basically, they're able to say with almost certainty, and I emphasize almost. So if you have a set of fraternal twins, that is a set of twins that are not identical, and one of them is gay or transgender, then it is highly unlikely that the other will, because they don't, while they share sibling DNA, they don't share identical But with identical twins who share obviously identical DNA and they come from the same egg, they, if one is trans, the other is trans. If one is gay, the other is gay. So they really, they've kind of proven unofficially that it is genetic, that there is actual biological markers within our system, that we are actually born as transgender. We are born as bisexual. We are born as gay straight lesbian and it's something that we just have to figure out as we go because they haven't actually been able to identify these markers and their aim is that someday that they can actually identify these markers and not just treat it but actually strike preemptively and find what the causes are so whether it's a genetic mutation passed on through the family whether it's a complication at birth, a complication in utero, what is it that actually causes gender dysphoria so that we can then work on that to prevent people from growing up struggling with who they are. So I suppose to really kind of summarize what I've just said, it's it the, the New York Times actually have a perfect quote on it. Gender comes from what's between your ears, not between your legs. Gender is based on a biological clock almost. It comes from our own brain. And if we can just get everyone to actually accept this, and we'd be doing absolutely amazing. But if we could crack the code that actually causes gender dysphoria and help people at an earlier age, it would make for such a more peaceful world. Because as Barack Obama said when he was in power in America, we treat everyone. We treat everyone the same here. And what he was saying was that You could not discriminate based on gender identity or sexual identity or any sort of label that a person might have. And we 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 just they need to treat everyone. That people have a basic human right for medical treatment. And Trump has now come along and he has legalized gender discrimination within a medical sense. So now if a person identifies as anything other than their physical sex their physical and anatomical gender a doctor or a nurse or any sort of medical professional can actually refuse to treat them no matter what state they're in 
the Hippocratic Oath no longer takes precedence and their own personal views takes precedent. Just last week, Trump actually passed a bill and in it he said that now homeless shelters and financial institutions that provide mortgages and landlords can all discriminate based on your sexual orientation. This is actually mostly aimed at lesbians or bisexual women in a same-sex relationship where they can say, I don't agree with you. I don't agree with who you're sleeping with. And no, you can't stay in our homeless shelter. You can go sleep on the streets. No, you can't have a mortgage. Leave my bank. No, sorry, I'm going to evict you now because I don't like who you're sleeping with. It doesn't come down to your basic human rights anymore. It comes down to Trump and his crazy way of ruling the country and ruining it really he's destroying it he's destroying rights and with the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg last Friday I just can't I I can't wrap my head around what could be coming first so I I mean I'm in Ireland and I I'm still terrified of what he's going to do I'm I fear for the impact that he's going to have on the world as at large, like everyone, everyone will be impacted by, by these because we're going to have to sit back and watch the leader of the so-called free world drag them back. And there's nothing that we can do about it. And we're looking at our own politicians, our own governments, and they're all enabling him and no one will fight back. So I think now more than ever, we really need to work on how we accept people, how Someone can have labels to identify themselves, but those labels aren't weapons. They're just words that someone uses to describe themselves and then they never need to be mentioned again. Unless that person brings them up or you have a genuine, honest question that you just want to open a discussion with. If you don't understand something, ask. If you think Trump is right, educate yourself. If you think that the world isn't going to hell in the handbasket, come out of your cave. And on that joyful note, I just want to say thank you so much for listening and sticking with me to the end. If you liked what you hear, um, I'd really appreciate it if you rate and review. Um, Let me know what you think. And I'm always open for suggestions on topics that you want covered. And then if you want to support me and help me do this full time and get me there, we're just after starting our Patreon account. So the three or tier gives you early access and a shout out on the main show. So really, I'll just be calling out your name at the end of this. Say thank you. Um, and then our five year tier is we've got two bonus episodes every week in addition to shout out and the early access. And basically one of those bonus episodes is going to be kind of true crime related. It's where I'm going to be delving into the different LGBT cases, the murder cases, whether it be a gay person committed them or people in the community were killed. And the other one, I haven't quite decided yet, so stay tuned. I'll be announcing that next week. And then this week, we're actually releasing the very first of our interviews on the Patreon. So that's on the 10-year tier. And then the final tier, then you just basically get a t-shirt sent out to you with the Gay in the Straight World logo plus everything that we've just mentioned so thank you again for staying with me and i'll see you all next week